those at Christian Coffee Time, nice to have you join us. We are in the book of Matthew and chapter 16, while well, we continue on in this study, a chronological study, and looking at the things the Lord Jesus did and so on. So uh, get your Bibles open and your writing materials handy, and we'll continue on with this, and we'll have a word of prayer in just a moment, everybody finds their spot, and then we'll ask the Lord to help us and bless us. All right, let's pray. Our Father in heaven, we just want to thank you now, Lord. We thank you for this time to look into the Bible. Mm -hmm. And we thank you, Lord, for that hymn that love lifted me. And we just want to thank you for your love towards us, and not only to us, Lord, not only to the Christian, but to all those outside there as we were one time, Lord. For God so loved the world. Lord, thank you for giving Jesus Christ, your Son, to the cross of Calvary that we may be saved. Amen. And Lord, we just pray and anybody there that's watching today, Lord, and they don't know Christ as Savior, that Lord, you'd speak to their heart, and they would see clearly that they need Jesus Christ. And strengthen the Christians, and honor yourself, Lord. And help us here, Lord, as we look at this lesson today. And we thank you now for all things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right, we're looking at uh, Matthew 16, verses 21 to 26. The next uh, portion of it, uh, of that lesson that the Lord was teaching, this continues on from last, um, uh, last week. I got the right spot here. Okay, yes it is. Right. Remember last week, uh, uh, the Lord was asking the disciples about uh, who say men that I am. Uh, who say that I, the Son of Man, am. And Peter stands up, and he, or he speaks up immediately and says, Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. And the Lord says, Blessed art thou, Simon Barjona. So we keep that in mind because that has something to do with what we're going to look at here, the very next thing that takes place. So Peter's lifted up a little bit, um, not in pride, we don't necessarily have to say that, but he was, he was blessed there before the Lord, so, you know, that, that's quite a thing. Could you imagine the Lord saying those things to you, the only one that's amongst the crowd of uh, uh, 12 of them that, that answered the question, the Lord gave them the answer to it anyways, and, um, and, he, and he's blessed. So we'll look at that, that'll have a, we can see that as we get going into this other bit here. And he was talking about Peter being blessed and with the keys to the heaven and such and build my church upon this rock and so on and so forth. So we get that. That's a really um, a real positive note. Okay, there's a real positive thing happening there. The Lord Jesus is teaching his disciples. Let's get going in this. Now we have to keep in mind, um, <clears throat> excuse me, in our intro, I just changed the intro. I didn't nothing to do what we are going to do. But in the years that the Lord uh, was upon the earth, um, you can break it down into three groups, basically, in three different years. I think it was three and a half years, all told, but whatever, the first year, they call it the year of inauguration. Um, it was new upon the scene kind of thing. The second year is the year of popularity. And the third year is the year of opposition. Now, we're in about the middle of that year, okay? We're in the summertime, heading towards the fall time, uh, I believe, around here. And then they go through the winter, and then they'll go up into the spring, and then they got the cross, okay? So it's not that far away from when he was teaching them, okay? And he's wanting to teach them all the things about that. They're still in Caesarea Philippi, up in the north end there, the very northerly uh, tip of his travels at, at that time. Um, this is what you could call the first direct prediction, and that's not the right word. The Lord was predicting things. He'd just say, this is what's going to happen, because he's the Lord. Uh, um, uh, but it's uh, uh, the prediction of the rejection, the crucifixion, uh, and the uh, resurrection of himself. 
He's going to teach them about that. So we look at verse 21 of chapter 16 of Matthew. It says, from that time forth, okay, from this point right here, from what time? Well, what's just taken place? We just talked about it. The Lord uh, uh, had blessed Peter for Peter giving the right answer. Who, who do men say that I am? Before you go ahead with any lessons, before you go ahead with anything, you have to know who Jesus Christ is. Amen? Yeah. You have to know it in your heart. It can't be in your head. You won't get there from here. It's your heart. For with the heart man believes. Okay? And you have to believe in your heart that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. This is God manifest in the flesh. And that you're a sinner. And you're undone and you're away from God. And there's nothing you can do about it. And Jesus Christ went to the cross and paid for all of your sins. All of the sins of all people of all time. Amen? Amen. Died on that cross, they buried him in the tomb, and he rose from the dead on the third day to show it's all been done. He's paid the price. And all you have to do is believe. Amen. Accept him. Receive him as your Savior. That's a wonderful and amazing, amazing thing. To see him as Jesus, the Christ, the Son of God, the Son of the living God. There he Amen. is right there. And he's talking to these disciples right here. There's 12 of them left. From that time, Jesus began to, to, uh, to show unto them. He's going to show them. He's going to teach them. He's going to teach them about who he is and what he's going to do and why he's going to do it. Okay? Um, three things right here that he said to them. From that time forth began Jesus to show unto his disciples that, how that he must go to Jerusalem. Now that word must right there, we'll get looking at that a bit, but that's one of the key words here as we look through this lesson, the must. Jesus said that he must do something. I think in the book of John there's something like, is it 12 or 14 musts? And one of the big ones is, ye must be born again. It has to happen or, there's, or, or you're in big trouble. And Jesus said, this must happen, this is going to happen. This is not optional going to the cross. There's some people that say that when Jesus was talking to them and such, and he was presenting himself and his kingdom, and that the Jews rejected him, so it's kind of like, well, I'll go to the cross then, without the plan B. No, no, there was no, he was not offering any kingdom to anybody. He's going to the cross. He's the lamb slain from before the foundation of the world. Amen? Amen. And the cross isn't plan B. This is where he's going, he says. This is what's going to happen. But you notice the um, four, four things there. Uh, I must. He says, he must go to Jerusalem. And then he says that uh, um, to suffer many things from the elders and scribes and chief priests. You notice the word scribes in there. These are the ones we talked about last week. Uh, uh, the ones that were supposed to be the ones that studied the scriptures and explained to the people what the scriptures said. They're going to be the ones, some of the ones that put the nails in his hands, basically. Mm -hmm. eh? They didn't have a clue. When he talked to Peter, as we said last week, he said, Peter, you know, blessed, you're blessed for seeing this. And you link that portion with back earlier uh, in Matthew chapter 13, and he asked them if they understood all the parables and such of Matthew, Matthew 13. And then he talked about the scribe, the householder. Okay? These guys didn't know anything about anything. But they're the ones that are going to be the religious leaders that were going to be responsible for getting him uh, on the cross. And well, Acts chapter uh, 4, verse 26, I think it is, talks about uh, all the Gentiles in Israel, etc., etc. But we see, he says, they'll suffer many things from the elders. But over in uh, Mark chapter 8, in Mark chapter 8, you have the parallel passage. And we've been going through this chronologically. 
And one of the reasons is that you see that um, any portion may not have all of the information that you need. You may have to go over to some of the other Gospels, for instance. And in um, Mark it says, and here we see that the Lord says, uh, you must go into Jerusalem and suffer many things of the elders, etc. In Mark it says, he must be rejected as well as suffer many things. Okay? So that he is going to be rejected. And an important thing, when Jesus presents himself, people can reject him. Some say that they can't, that they, grace is irresistible. No, no, no. If grace was irresistible, we wouldn't have the book of Hebrews. Ooh, okay? It wouldn't be there. Um, but he's going to suffer many things from the hands of them and so on and so forth. We, note what he didn't mention there. What he's not, what he's, what's, not, what's going to happen to him that's not part of this suffering. Now he would be mocked. He would be mocked by the priest. They, they would tell uh, uh, lies and they would oppose him and, uh, and, and all those things. But what about the beatings from the uh, soldiers? It's not mentioned. Because that's got nothing to do with the cross. Okay? That's got nothing to do with the cross. They say, well, that he was he was there at that time, they beat him and they, they he, he he shed his blood and so on and so forth. These things were not part of the sacrifice of the cross. Those beatings were just the meanness of man. That was the devil trying to stop him from going to the cross. Some believe that those things were uh, part of the atonement. Um, they say, well, by his stripes we are healed. You see, the soldiers. No, 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 no does not refer to the soldiers' beatings, but to the stripes given by the Father, uh, the Father placed on Jesus Christ the punishment and the sins of the whole world. Amen? Amen. That's what it's talking about. Uh, Colossians chapter 1, verse 20 says, And having made peace through the blood of his cross. Okay, it's not the beatings and such, and that's why he mentions it there. Just a bit of a rabbit trail for us there. He says, from that time Jesus began to show and teach his disciples that he must go. It's not optional. The Lamb of God slain from before the foundation of the world. This is the plan of God. That this would happen. That this would take place. That God would be manifest in the flesh. He would go to the cross, pay for the sins of the whole world. He would do that. So the Lord brings this out. Now he's teaching his disciples. Keep that in mind. Oftentimes when the Lord taught, they sat down. Okay? When he was preaching, they said he was standing up, but when he was teaching, he would sit down. You check that out and see if that's true, but you'll find that he sat often they sat down. Nonetheless, you have the disciples. I want to get this picture. The disciples, maybe they were in a circle or gathering to there in a group of somehow, okay? And Jesus is before them, and there they are, okay? So see what's going to happen. So he be and you know what the word began? In verse 21, from that time forth began. He's going to start the teaching. And it was interrupted. But he's going to start teaching them because they have to be taught about these things. The first thing was, who am I? Mm -hmm. Now I'm going to teach you what I'm going to do. He's going to, he, he starts and he's going to begin to teach them these things because they didn't really grasp it, I guess. And it's you know, spiritually uh, discerned as well. Um, and... He says, I'm going to go to Jerusalem and suffer at the hands of the chief priests and scribes and the elders and be killed and be raised again the third day. Verse 22. Now, put yourself there as one of the disciples sitting in, say they're sitting in a, a group here or in a semicircle and there's Jesus 
sitting there or standing, whatever, but he's before them. And he's telling them and he's teaching them some of the most important things that they'll ever hear. Okay. Peter interrupts. Okay. Peter interrupts. And when we look through, we see there was a lot of others that interrupted Jesus while he was teaching, like the Pharisees and such. They would do that, eh? They come along and just kind of interrupt. Uh, Peter's <coughs> rebuke. Peter took him and began to rebuke him. And you'll note the word began there. We'll get to that in a minute. Um, and Peter's uh, rebuke. But Peter didn't know, he didn't understand, and he didn't accept the plan of God. He didn't understand. He didn't get it, did he? And none of the other disciples did either that, at this point. So we see something from Peter. We can learn from him some things. We see some things about ourselves. Peter, the student, stands up to be the teacher, and he's going to make Jesus the pupil. Okay? We never do that to God, eh? We never tell him how to do things, eh? Yeah, maybe you better not. <laughs> Peter's intentions. Uh, he had concern for the Lord. The Lord says, I'm going to go, I'm going to be killed. And then I'm going to be raised from the dead. <clears throat> Peter didn't understand that, man. Um, he was ignorant of the matter, wasn't he? He, he? he was ignorance means he didn't have the knowledge. It doesn't mean he was, you know, backwards or something. Um, Peter's ignorance opened the door for something, though, didn't it? And not understanding. His concern might have been genuine, but it was based on opposing ideas, based on the fact that he just didn't get it. He didn't understand what the Lord was talking about, and he said he was going to do these things. It was concern, but an absolute lack of understanding regarding the program of God and understanding of it, and so on and so forth. And Jesus was trying to teach them, and he's interrupted by opposing views of Peter. <clears throat> so it is with us sometimes. Sometimes we think we got it all wired up, you know, we've been around a long time, learned quite a bit, and uh, we, we pretty well, you know, we got doing pretty good that way. You know what the Bible says about that? 1 Corinthians 8 12, no, 8 2 rather. And if any man thinks that he knows anything, he knows nothing yet as he ought to know. Okay. Peter stood up and just blurted this out. There's a great lesson here for us. It wasn't his old nature, as we'll find. It was something far worse, but our old nature is the same anyways. That's what took place here. Sometimes it's best to keep our opinions and our words to ourselves. You know, anything? From this we see that. Sometimes it's best to, um, <clears throat> as Abraham Lincoln said, um, think twice and speak once. Peter had done that. He could have been, oh, well, let's just wait and see what the rest of the lesson's about. I don't, I don't understand what's going on. I don't understand what the Lord's saying. But Peter stood up and he said something contrary. Sometimes it's best to keep our opinions to ourselves and, uh, um, and not just blurt something out. There's a lesson there for us. And we see the words in verse 21, from that time forth began Jesus to teach his disciples. Teaching is a process. Uh, the lessons must be learned and often over and over again. And one of the lessons of the teacher, there's, there's a book I have somewhere, I forget where it was, maybe it was Bible school or something. Uh, the law, Seven Laws of the Teacher, I think it was. And one of those, or is it 12, I don't remember. <laughs> one of those is repetition. You go back and you repeat, and you repeat, and you repeat until you have a good understanding of that, then you don't introduce uh, new stuff until this is understood, you see. 
Jesus began to teach them. He was teaching them. It's a process. And Peter stood up and he was uh, um, speaking directly against the process. This is certainly a new teaching for them and one they didn't understand. But you remember earlier on in John chapter 6, when Jesus was teaching them about the bread of life and how he was the bread of life and so on and so forth. And he says, unless you eat my flesh and drink my blood, I have no part with you and so on and so forth. You have no part with me. And John 6, 6, 6, and many of the disciples went away. They couldn't, it was a hard saying for them. They couldn't get it. Same thing's happening right here. Same thing's happening again. Uh, this prediction of the Lord Jesus comes directly after Peter's confession acknowledging that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God. This comes right on the heels of that. One thing just flowed out of the other. They went from that great positive moment into this, uh, into this uh, uh, moment right here. Jesus, as I said, first reveals who he is, and now he's going to teach them why he came. And verse 22, uh, uh, it says, Then Peter took him. It's interesting that those words right there, took him, means that he turned him towards himself. So if you can picture the um, disciples sitting around, I don't know if they were in a circle or whatever, and there's Jesus in front of them. And if, they might have been standing or they might have been sitting. However, Jesus, or Peter gets up and takes the Lord. I, I can picture it in my mind. Do you ever take somebody by the, by the shoulder? i got something to talk to her. By the, by the, I need to talk to you. This is what's taking place. Mm -hmm. And what takes place is G Peter takes Jesus Jesus is speaking to the disciple. He takes them and turns him. So Peter's standing like here, talking to the, to the disciples, and the Lord's here in front of him. So the Lord's back is towards the disciples. You get that? It tells us that in here. If you look at all, the, all what, he's, what he's talking about, what he says. <clears throat> Over in, um, in Mark, it tells us that uh, later on when he goes to rebuke, when the Lord rebukes Peter, he turns his back on Peter and turns to face the disciples. So Peter had taken him, turned him around, and is going to talk to him now. This important thing that he's got to say. Then Peter took him and began to say, began to rebuke him, saying, Be it far from thee, Lord, this shall not be, un be unto thee. Shall not be unto thee. And you know, there's that concern, but the concern comes out of not understanding but the Lord Jesus has something else to say about it doesn't he mm -hmm. he's got something entirely different uh, uh, to say about it um, in verse uh, 22 we see that Peter began to rebuke him the Lord Jesus interrupted him just as he interrupted he didn't interrupt him well you interrupted me so I'm going to interrupt you that's not the Lord's like is it he stopped Peter. He did not let Peter continue. The Lord interrupted the rebuke and took control of the conversation. Error must be stopped. Not allowed to even be heard. Error must be stopped. Somebody's doing, saying something, interrupt it. I'm sorry, that's not true. Sometimes people don't like that. I was talking to that one fellow here a couple weeks ago. He was in the building and we were talking. He was just rattling on and on and on. We got into end time stuff, I told you already. Going on, and I said, at one point, I said, just stop. I said, you are so mixed up, you do not understand scripture, 
That's enough. I don't want to hear any more. That's what has to be done. The Lord Jesus interrupts Peter. Don't let the devil continue. Don't let him continue. And don't listen to devilish heresy. Don't listen to any ungodliness. But he turned and said unto Peter. Now, you read over in Mark uh, 8, 33, that Jesus turned to his disciples. So what Jesus did, there's the disciples. Peter gets up, takes Jesus, turns him like this. Peter standing there facing that way to the disciples. Jesus turns, now Peter's at, uh, Peter's at Jesus' back, and Jesus is facing the disciples. Get thee behind me, Satan. Okay? It's uh, in, interesting for us to look at the, all the uh, uh, movements and such too. The Lord turns to the disciples and He wants them to understand what's taking place clearly. Okay? He faces them clearly. He wants you to understand what has transpired here, He says to them, or showing them. And Jesus turned, and when He had turned about and looked on His disciples, that's Mark 8.33, Jesus now facing them, with Peter at his back, he says, Get thee behind me, Satan. Thou art an offense unto me, for thou savest not the things that be of God, but the things that be of man. And Jesus turns his back on Peter. It's interesting, I was thinking about that. And the Bible tells us, and the Lord says, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. And that's true. Do you suppose sometimes if we're uh, in... in in the wrong, or the sin, or something where the fellowship is affected or broken, we use that word, the Lord won't leave you, but would He turn His back on you sometimes? Till you get this thing straight? Maybe, yeah. You see that? Just something to think about. Moments earlier, Peter was praised. There's no resting on our laurels either. Okay? It was just a few moments earlier that Peter was blessed for what he had said. And now he's saying the wrong thing. The wrong thing's coming out of his mouth. Jesus rebuke of Peter. Get thee behind me, Satan. Imagine what Peter's thoughts are at that moment. Imagine what Peter's thoughts are. The Lord just said, Blessed art thou, Simon Barjona. Now he's saying, Get thee behind me, Satan. So what's taking place here, Peter? What's going on? He's wondering, well, What's this all about? The devil was there, eh? Or was the Lord just using this kind of figuratively? Or... Um, saying, Peter, you're acting like that, or some people don't even believe that the devil's involved in things like that, and so on and so forth, you're very, very wrong. He's right there. He can plant the thoughts in your head and in your mind. Did you ever read in the book of Acts about Ananias and Sapphira? Mm. Peter says to them, isn't that interesting? Peter says to them, Satan has... Uh, um, um, I, forget, I forget how it goes. Um, Peter said, Ananias, why has Satan filled thine heart to lie to the Holy Ghost and keep back part of the price of the land? You see, why has Satan filled thine heart? Now, Ananias and Sapphira were believers, eh? Mm -hmm. There's a, a, something here for us that the devil can, as he whisper things in there, he can get right in your head. Um, somebody has said one time that he, he can speak to us and sometimes speak to us, the enemy, and speak to us in the uh, first person like it's like it's not him suggesting it, like it's your own thought. Okay, it's your own thought. And some may disagree with this, and that's fine. But uh, I think I think you're ignorant of the of the uh, 
of what's taking place and what can take place, the Lord says to Peter, get thee behind me, Satan. Okay? Ideas can be planted, and they can come from the devil's mind to our mouth. Some scoff about it, but, you know, there it is with Ananias and Sapphira. It shows us. Uh, he says, Thou art an offense unto me. And he's talking, the Lord's talking to the devil. He's talking about these particular things that would oppose the plan of God. Now that word offense right there is an interesting word for us. It's a word called scandalon, or the English word, we get our English word scandal. Originally, it was a word that described the, um, the name of the part of a trap where you attach the bait to. Like a mouse trap, you know, with that little flipper thing there, you put the cheese on it there. They like peanut butter better than cheese, by the way. Anyways, one's up here, dude. <laughs> that was called, That was what that was. It was, it was a trigger. It was a trap. And there's a little wee thing. You, you want you to nibble on that. And it got you. Okay? And then later, it became to be that the whole trap was. It's also the same word that's used when we read stumbling block in different places. the same word. <clears throat> the Lord says, Thou art an offense unto me. The devil and his ways uh, should be an offense to a to the Christian, to all of us. Mm -hmm. His ways should be an awful, awful offense to us. You know, things are getting so bad, this old world, you know, this really is Sodom and Gomorrah, eh? Mm -hmm. I mean, it's terrible, isn't it? I mean, you, you can't turn anything on the TV and there's some kind of nonsense and garbage, eh? Mm -hmm. it, it's just, it's awful. It's awful. And, and it should be an, of an offense to us. And we find ourselves in that place where um, it's not an offense. We've we've taken the bait. Okay, we started on that road. What happened to Peter? He wasn't he wasn't um, disobedient. The Lord just blessed him for saying the right things. Peter should have just stopped for a moment. Did you ever say something and then say, "Oh, I should have said and said that." We need to take some time and bring ourselves in the situation before the Lord instead of just blurting out, well, I think. And it comes out quick sometimes, eh? The answer or a word or whatever. We should be slow to speak. Does the Bible say that? Slow to speak. That means while we're, well, before we're speaking, you're thinking about it. You're asking the Lord, or, you know, is this the right thing to say? Um, many times I wished I'd have done that. Anybody else feel like that? You don't have to put your hand up. It's okay. They're all the same. Um, the same word as stumbling block. In Peter's words, the Lord uh, Jesus perceived a snare that was laid for him by Satan. Jesus perceived that. Remember back in the, uh, in the wilderness temptation, the, the Lord was tempted by the devil. Luke 4.13, uh, in that temptation in the wilderness, the devil tempts the Lord Jesus. In verse 13, we read there in Luke chapter 4, and when the devil had ended all the temptation, he departed from him, that's Jesus, for a season. Mm -hmm. Now, if the devil goes and tries to trick Jesus, why do we think, or why do people think that he will never come near you or anything? Mm -hmm. Now, we're not focusing on that today. We've got uh, uh, someone that is greater that lives inside of the Christian, right? Amen. Uh, he that is in me is greater than he that is in the world. Amen? Amen. Don't forget that. And... Uh, Keep that in mind. Uh, verse 23, But he turned and said unto Peter, Get thee behind me, Satan, for thou art an offense unto me, 
For thou savorest not the things that be of God, but those that be of men. Let's just look at a couple words here. Um, that savorest. He says, thou savorest not. We think of the word savor as uh, what? Like, oh, that smells good. You know, my, my mind goes to oh, something on the stove cooking. Oh, that smells good. Okay. It's not about the senses, though. If you look at the words, the word there for savorest not is the word for the mind. It means to think. The mindset. You don't think. You're not thinking on the things of God. You're thinking on the things of men. It's not about a smelling something. To, to, uh, uh, it's the battle is in the mind. In Romans uh, 7, 25, the, uh, the Apostle Paul is talking about uh, the, the battle with the flesh and such. And how wretched men that I am, who shall save me from the body of this death? And I thank God for... Uh, in, in Christ Jesus, that with my mind I serve the law of God, but with my flesh the law of sin. The battle is in the mind. Second Corinthians uh, chapter 10, verses 4 to 6 in there, it talks about uh, casting down imaginations. How do you cast down imaginations if you don't stop and analyze every thought that's going through there? If you just let them fly out, as Peter did, it could be that the enemy's putting some thought in there and it'll just come out. Supposed to cast down imaginations and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. Amen. And it's a process. Um, we have a, a, an old nature and such that we want to just, it just comes out. Did you ever hear, or maybe you ever said, I just have to say something? Mm. Just have to say something. Well, maybe we don't. Maybe we should take a, a lesson here, uh, Peter. So the Lord, he, 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 He's. Oh, I didn't finish this other. Hang on a minute. Uh, Savorist. It's about the mind. And the things of God. Well, we know what the things of God are. The cross, the resurrection, holiness, scripture, all those things. And the things of men. Fleshly desires, lusts, uh, rebellion, opposition to, to, uh, um, to the Lord, and so on and so forth. Um, another verse I just wanted to bring up just for a moment on this thing. And then we'll move on from there. And look at the Lord's uh, answer to this for them. In 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verses 3 and 4, it says, But if our gospel be hid, it is hid to, to them that are lost, in whom the God of this world, world blinds the minds. See, the battle's in the mind. The mind is on the things of men. The God of this world has blinded the minds of them which believe not, lest the light of the glorious gospel of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine unto them. The battle is the mind. Sometimes we battle with the mouth, and we let the mouth get ahead of the mind. And Jesus says to the disciples in verse 24, and there's just a couple of verses here that deals with this, and he's going to show them some things here that they need to tend to. This is what we could call the terms of discipleship. Jesus says unto his disciples, If anyone will come after me, now that word there, if anyone will come after me, it's got the idea of someone desiring to do something very strongly, okay? Mm -hmm. And to follow Jesus, the mindset must be of a particular mindset to follow him, that you're all in, okay? Uh, it's all for Jesus. There's no looking back. Put your hand at the plow and you're not looking back. What happens if you're plowing and you look back? Anybody here ever plowed with a horse and plow? No? No, I plowed one time with one fellow uh, helped him out in a field. It was a tractor. 
And uh, it's tough to get your rows straight. You know how you get the rows straight? Yeah, that's right, you got it. You've done it before, haven't you? Way down the end of the field, see that rock? See that tree, whatever? You look at that, don't you look away. And you head for that. Yeah, and it works. If you look back, roll, <laughs> just go like that. Uh, anyways, all in for Jesus, no looking back. And when he says later on there, he says to follow, they must follow. Um, other words we've looked at has, means to imitate him, but this is not that word that means to imitate him. When Jesus says to follow, um, at the end of verse 24, and follow me, it's interesting, it means to be a companion, to walk with him as a companion. You stop and think about this for a minute. We're not walking behind him as a servant. He says, I want you to walk with me as my companion. And that word expresses a union with, between the two. It has the idea of going in the same way, in the same direction. Okay. That any man, and uh, he says, we must deny ourselves. And that word there means to utterly deny and to have no connection with. Okay. It means to absolutely disown. It means living for Jesus and not for self, doesn't it? Your cross to take it up. Follow me. Be with me, my companion. We're going the same way. And the things of men will cause us to go off the trail a bit, okay? Cross the fence or in the ditch, whatever, okay? He says to follow me. Follow the Lord Jesus Christ and Him only. Setting out on that road, not going back, not looking back. But as if you're carrying a cross to a crucifixion place. So he began to teach them. First of all, you understand who I am. And what I'm going to do. And this is what you must do, he says. What you must do, he's telling them. Kind of like joining the army, so to speak. Not mm. really, but sort of. I remember when um, one fellow, uh, one of Matt's friends was here. was uh, up at the army base there. And we come over, he came over to the house often. And we could talk about things. And... Uh, um, he wouldn't talk about politics or this and that and anything. He basically belonged to them. Mm. Okay, you join up with the army, that's your life, and that's what you do, and what everybody else does, doesn't matter, this is what we're doing. Okay. Kind of like the Lord Jesus, you know. When we get saved and we walk with Him, or to be walking with Him as a companion, walking with Him, savoring with the mind the things of God, not the things of men. Serving Him. Yet we follow not as slaves or servants, but as companions. That's really something. Mm -hmm. Deny Himself. Now, we're going to talk about this just for a few minutes. Hang on, we're, we're almost done. You won't, probably won't die. <laughs> Denying self, here he says to deny self, is more than self-denial. What do you mean by that? Well, let's have a look at this. Let's talk about uh, denying ourselves. Now, sometimes people get funny ideas when the Lord says, deny yourself. They get funny ideas. Well, you know, I'm, I'm going to deny myself. I'm going to, I'm going to suffer for Jesus. You know, I'm, I'm not going to put butter on my toast. I'm going to use margarine. <laughs> this sounds silly, but the idea there is an idea that we get in our heads. I'm going to deny myself. 
I'm just going to have bread and water. Not, not a full, proper meal, okay? I'm going to wear old, tattered clothes instead of, you know, new clothes or whatever. And be like the Pharisees and said that they would make faces, they would grimace in their fasting, stand up and say, oh, I'm so hungry. Just to make themselves, so people would think that they were, you know, pious or whatever. <clears throat> Denying yourself. Uh, denying of self is far more than self-denial in our usual sense of the term. When he says, take up the cross, we have no right to make any sacrifice for Jesus Christ, which he does not appoint. Mm. Margarine on your toast. Mm. You're punishing yourself. He didn't tell you to do that. All things are for us to enjoy, okay? I just use that as a silly illustration. It helps me in my little mind <laughs> to understand that. We have no right to make any sacrifice for Jesus Christ, which he does not appoint for us, okay? G. Campbell Morgan, the Prince of Expositors, they called him, uh, when a believer takes on some effort of sacrifice simply because he or she thinks sacrifice is the right thing and does not wait for orders, that person is surely an offense, a scandal on to the Lord, as when he or she does not deny himself and take up his or her cross at the command of the Master. He goes on to say this, The true disciple chooses neither song nor dirge, neither sunshine nor shadow, and has no choice but to know his master's will and do it. Mm -hmm. It doesn't matter if it's raining or if it's sunshine or whatever the song is. You have something to do. The Lord has something for you to do. <clears throat> if the Lord Jesus appoints for us the blue waters of the lake and all the sunshine of summer, let us rejoice therein and not vex our souls because we, because we know no suffering and pain. If he appoints a, a Via Della Rosa, that's the way of sorrow, and a sunless sky, then God makes us willing to make the way because the way is his appointment. Mm -hmm. God gives us the things in life. He says, this is what I want you to do now. The thing for us, we must be in his will if we want to cooperate with him. We must be in the will of God. <clears throat> the program of the disciples is expressed in these words, the end of verse uh, 24. Follow me, Jesus says. Remember the companion, okay? Remember the union. Remember going the same way. That is the must of our lives. It must be. It's not optional. And you must be born again. And now you must Take up your cross and follow me as a companion with me. That is the must of our lives. Does it mean suffering? It may not, it may not mean, mean that. It may not be that. But suffering is not the deepest thing in this must that we have. The deepest thing is I must cooperate with the purpose of God Whatever that is, that's the must. That's deeper than, the, than, than sufferings and all that other stuff. 
the deepest thing that we get in touch with God and do His will. <clears throat> Excuse me. Whether it be laughing or crying, whether it be sorrow or singing. The secret of life is to follow Him. Follow Him on the pathway of loyalty to His divine will. What did the Lord Jesus say in the Garden of Gethsemane? Nevertheless, not my will, but thine be done. Mm -hmm. What did the Apostle Paul say? <clears throat> Excuse me. When he met uh, with the Lord Jesus on the road to Damascus. Lord, what will thou have me to do? And there it is, right there. <clears throat> Excuse me. So we get down to uh, verse 25 and verse 26. And he says, For whosoever will save his life shall lose it. And Peter said, Lord, let, not, let, let this not be unto you. Don't do that thing. He says, You're to save your life. Think of yourself. And we uh, sometimes we think of ourselves over what the Lord would want. We must look to Him. Amen? For whosoever will save his life shall lose it. And whosoever will lose his life for my sake shall find it. And sometimes for folks it's a scary thing to think, well, I'm going to give up everything. I'm going to give myself entirely to the Lord. Everything that I know, everything I have, everything I do, I'm giving it to Him. It can be a daunting thing when you look at it, when you look at it through the flesh. But that's where God wants wants us to be. That's where He's where He brings us. He wants us to understand that it's not a punishment. The most blessed thing for a Christian is to walk with Him in absolute 100% faith. <clears throat> we have a book. Remember, we pass those books around. Um, they found the secret. And if you read through those, it's about uh, uh, the testimonies of some Christians that they went went on and famous ones went on for a time, years perhaps, and they felt that there's something's missing in my life. Something I'm saved, I know I'm saved, but I'm just there's just something. And they would come to a point where they would give themselves over to the Lord entirely. Let me just put it that way. I don't know how a better way to say it, I don't know. And then things would change for them. Because now they're walking in that path of obedience. You find that you Maybe we're living our lives, our Christian lives, in some kind of a mediocrity. Well, then maybe we need to take heed to this, to take up our cross, which is just simple obedience to the Lord, and He'll give us what He'll give us the sunshine or the rain, the clouds or the gray skies or whatever it is. So be it. Can't do anything about it, you know. But walking with the Lord, beside Him as His companion, following Him. Remember that. The world's gain versus losing your soul. Giving your life to Jesus is not losing it. It's gaining it. Finding your life with Jesus. Let's just stop then for that. I'll just conclude. <clears throat> Firstly, the disciple of Jesus Christ must have a heart's reply of I must follow. <clears throat> I must follow. without any consideration for yourself. It's our job. It's our duty. It's a discipline. It's being a disciple. Mm. Just follow Jesus. Sometimes we hear our heart saying, not that. 
Let me escape that. Let it be far from me. I must save my life. <laughs> I think often of um, witnessing is just an illustration of that. Uh, well, I can't witness to that person. I can't do that. I'm not going to say anything. I, I can't do that. What we're saying there is what Peter said. You know, not that. Let me escape that. I've got I to save my life. What will they think of me? And a lot of people don't witness because of that very kind of thing, you know. Mm -hmm. But the Lord wants us to. He wants us to go ahead and do that. I use that for an illustration there. Sometimes our heart brings that out. Not that. Let me escape that. <laughs> let that be far from me. I must save my life. So a couple questions for us. Which one of these will we yield to? Our will or God's will? Pretty simple, isn't it? Which must, which must will master or be the master of you? And I'll ask that for myself. I must follow his will or I must save my life. May God help us in this most important aspect of the Christian life. Let's stop. Let's pray. Father, we just thank you for your grace, Lord. Uh, we thank you for this time that we can look into your word. We just pray that perhaps there's something that would help us, Lord. Perhaps something here would uh, honor and glorify you. Perhaps something would challenge the unsaved to trust in you, Lord Jesus. But we just thank you, Lord. We thank you, Lord, that... You want us to give our all to you, to be all in. And Lord, we know that you'll look after us, you'll watch over us, but seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. We don't have to worry about the things of life, Lord. You'll tend to those things. You just want us to walk with you. It's just simple. Just walk with Jesus and him first and foremost in all things. Help us with this, Lord. Thank you now. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Okay. Well, thank you, folks. Thanks for watching, and uh, see you next time. Thank you.